Welcome to My Way, a podcast that shares the stories of people who are doing life their way. Listen along as we explore what works, what doesn't, and the experience that happens no matter which path we choose. I'm your host, Sunny Collins. Thanks for listening. Sunny here. Welcome to episode three of My Way. I interviewed a fellow Graytonian and, in my opinion, one of the biggest sources of hope and love in this town, Marshall Rehnquist. We're both passionate about environmental education, and it is always a privilege to sit with him and just listen. He is calm, he smiles a lot, and he is completely devoted to making his little slice of the world a better place. And lucky for me, it's contagious. So enjoy, and thanks for listening. Marshall, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and meet with me. Let's just start with what brought you to Grayton? So I was born in Cape Town. My grandparents was actually, they were born, lived here and passed away here. So we as kids visited quite a lot in Grayton, but moved to um, Grayton at the age of about eight years old, just when we started school. What made us decide as a family, my parents, um, because we lived in an area in Cape Town which was quite heavy under gangsterism at the time. Schools was unsafe. Anything, nothing was safe for kids to. We had was like kind of had to be indoors all the time. And in weekends we would come here where to visit, and it would be a different world completely from Cape Town, where kids can just walk on their own, go to the shop with not even worrying about it. Schools was walking distance from the houses, so. My parents decided that it was a good move for us to do. We started school, um, and that was one of the main things that we actually moved to Creighton, so just for school purposes and just to be in a safe area. How would you define yourself? <laughs> I found myself as a very passionate about life, love to explore things, always like to look at things that hasn't been done or explore or new things. A people's person, definitely love people from different backgrounds, different cultures. I like to interact with different people and not kind of confine myself into a space where I don't involve myself in other things. Absolutely love children, like to work with young adults, like to kind of inspire. Um, and I also like to share, I mean, the little bit of knowledge that I have that I've been, that I gained through my forefathers grandparents' knowledge about natural medicines and other knowledge. I'm a type of person to, I don't keep things for myself. I like to share it as much as possible because you never know. I mean, we, we only bother to this earth or not like for quite a short time and you never know what life can bring tomorrow. So I'm always, I always live my life almost like it's the last day. And absolutely love animals. I'm very passionate about the animals and people and how that relationship work, what the dependence are between them, and obviously very passionate about the environment. The last couple of years I've done some studies on environmental issues. About two years ago I've done my environmental educators course with WESA, um, and that kind of steered me right into environmental education as my main focus at the moment. So very passionate about, as I say, people, animals, and the environment. When you were younger, did you feel like you were leaning that way? 
I think so. I think that's it's when we moved here. I think as a as a teenager, it only then started becoming aware. And I think where we're living it contributed to that quite a bit because we live in such a beautiful area. Brayton, where we surrounded with beautiful mountains and valleys that you don't see much in other areas. So the question always popped up in my head, how can I preserve or look after this beautiful area, this environment? What can I do to contribute that my kids and their kids can enjoy this? So often you see places like this get lost through urbanization or various things happening, but I, as a teenager, thought, what can I do in the next say 20 years as a young adult and as an adult to preserve the land and one of the things came out quite heavily that was education and education was one of the things specifically on the environment and specific areas along great and there wasn't much that was happening in that regard so I, I thought it was a perfect fit because I love the environment and it lent itself to me to kind of do that as a as a kind of job as a to kind of own the space to, to make people aware kids in the area to make them aware to make that example of kids that's in Cape Town and kids that's here in Creighton because often I feel kids in the area don't really see what they have like the mountains and the peaceful area and horses walking around and whatever the, the whole holistic thing that's happening but when you compare it to places like in Cape Town where I'm actually coming from it's as I said two different worlds completely so when I put on that into perspective for teens or young adults, they really get it. They're like, wow, it's really untrue because the mountain is on my doorstep. I can walk like five to 10 minutes and then I'm in the mountain. So to bring that awareness to people is really, I think, where my passion lies. And it has a huge impact, as, I've, as I can see in the last five years, that I've been working very intensively with the six schools in our area. So I think it's it's that's that's definitely where it's kind of leading towards. When or where are you in your element? Okay, so there's two places I would say. <laughs> um, I'm very passionate about music. I'm in my element when I'm behind my my guitar, specifically my bass guitar. I've been I've been part of Afrikaans reggae band, the only Afrikaans reggae band in the world for the last 10 years and I really feel that's where I feel safe I feel where I can express myself um, on various levels so that's one of my places where I really feel my element and then second one will be um, just working with soil and with plants having that connection and as I said sharing with other people with, so they can be inspired by that where people usually people still have this stigma of soil as dirty. But for me, it's a completely different story. For me, it's that that's where all our, um, that's what we actually need. Um, people, you need to be interactive with the earth and soil and plants and natural medicines. So that's definitely those two areas are where I'm really in my element. Yeah. Okay. This episode of My Way has been brought to you by horses. Whenever you're feeling underrated, remember the horse. Over the last 55 million years, this little prehistoric hierocotherium morphed into the stunning equus of today. With 400 breeds ranging from the American Athaloosa to the Indian Zanaskari, 
This odd toed ungulate is one of the most underrated influencers of human history. Letters delivered, crops harvested, cities built, loads carried, people transported, and battles, races, and hearts won all thanks to the horse. Horses have the largest eyes of any land mammal and surprisingly cannot vomit. Inspiring two units of measurement, the furlong and horsepower, as well as the vaccine for diphtheria, horses have inspired us bipeds for thousands of years. And if all that weren't enough, their manure is a divine addition to your home garden. Horses, they've been around for a long time. Talk about your family, the family you have now, but also your mom, your dad, your siblings. So um, I'm a twin, Marshall and Marlon. We don't have a very good relationship. Um, I think it's all due to just one of those things, twins. Either you have a very tight relationship or you don't. <laughs> and unfortunately, yeah, we, we don't. Um, so I have a twin, Marlon. It's the complete opposite of who I am. What is he like? Um, he's a very, likes likes to party, he likes to drink a lot, he's very indoorsy, watch movies all the time. Does he look like party. you? No, we're not um, identical at all. So yeah, we had a very tough teenage life. Um, single parent, we constantly fight, um, there was never an understanding. Um, and because it was a single parent, my my mom moved here only a couple of years after we moved um, from Cape Town. We lived at our grandparents, so she worked in Cape Town. And when she got here, it was quite tough to get a job. Um, obviously, she was in the factory business making clothes. Obviously, there wasn't any this side. So it was quite tough for her for the first year to get a job. That evolved into quite a tough teenage life. We've experienced one or two nights where we had to go to bed without food. I mean, that was always the thing that we thought about. Because my mom was kind of, she, she was in a space where she didn't really worry about what the kids was eating. So for us as kids, as, as twins, the only two boys in the house, there was a constant fight between whose chance is it to go and beg for food. That was quite tough because, I mean, I knew it, it was my chance. But I was just always saying, no, I went, but I knew I, I, it was my chance to go. And that really didn't give us a chance to have that relationship. That went on for a while. My father, we lost our father when we were about 14 years old. And I was very attached to my father and he to my mother. And my twins are either to the other. So myself and my mother didn't have a very good relationship like Marlon and herself. I was much more attached to my father. He lived in Cape Town at the time. His family is still here, his brothers and sisters. And when he passed away, I mean, things just went pear-shaped and downhill because my mother didn't have that much, I felt at the time, not much empathy and love towards me into Marlon. So there's that constant, like, really living past each other. And she wasn't really there just to look at the space, to look after her kids. As I got older, I could understand her point of view as well, how tough it must have been for her. But How did your father pass? So my father was, yeah, he was, he, weird enough, he was here for the last time. And he missed the taxi to Cape Town, unfortunately. It was too late to get the taxi. 
but he was very committed to his work. He was like, he never missed a day in his job. So that day that he actually missed a taxi was like one of one day in like the last 15 years that he was, that he ever missed a day in his work. So he was quite determined to go back home again. So he just, he hiked to Caledon and then started hiking from Caledon to Cape Town. Um, so and from Grayton, how far is Caledon? Okay, from um, Grayton to Caledon is about uh, 37 kilometers. And then he hiked to the N2, which is the main road um, from Caledon to Cape Town, like the main national road in South Africa. Um, someone picked him up. He hiked. Um, he was shot in the car. He was murdered. Um, he was robbed. And his body was dumped just along the way. We didn't know that at the time. He was missing for about two and a half months. Um, we only found out later that he was at a government morgue where his body was found that specific day. But we weren't aware of it. So, um, which is a, a story on its own. I started investigating the case. I was 14 at the time, but some things didn't make sense to me. After about two months of investigation, of just looking at the points, because he lived with my stepmother, lovely lady, we had a good relationship. But I actually found out that she actually hired people to murder him. It was a whole setup um, for someone to wait in Caledon and pick him up, and they were constantly on the phone she always made sure that he told her how far he is. And with the whole thing, I found out that her history, she murdered her first husband as well, um, just to get all the money from where he's working. And she did exactly the same thing to my father. And I actually found that out through about 12 or 13 points that was pointing towards this woman, that she was behind the whole um, setup and murder. And when I took that, wrote every single point down, about two months and I took it to the investigator to the officer in Cape Town I said this is what I think I don't know please look into this point and investigate do you feel and like they took you seriously as a 14 year old they didn't boy? No, no they but there was a luckily because it happened in this area it our cops and the cops worked together on the case because it happened quite closely yeah. so but there was one cop here that was very that lived in the same road where we lived and I said to him, really, please, can you follow up? And I, because he lived quite um, close by, I was always on his case about it. And I think through him pushing towards the thing the whole time, they actually found out that this point was true. They couldn't pick it up because, I mean, we were involved with this woman and my father all the time. So the things that she said didn't make sense to me. But, I mean, the, such a lovely lady, beautiful, lovely lady. Um, always laughing, always, but that she was behind something like that. So that for me was, yeah, I think that was one of the saddest part of my life to actually lose my father in that way. That kind of forced me to step into adulthood much earlier. <laughs> and then yeah. I, because then at the age of 14, I just finished primary school. I just went to high school to grade eight. And... When I started high school, that's the same time that I started working. So I worked every day after school because um, I just couldn't stand the fact that we there's no food in the house. There's, my mom is battling to get um, work. Um, she also drank quite a lot. She was not a alcoholic, but she had a lot of bad influence of friends. So if she were working, 
she just used that money to go and party and this and that and they'll still just put like basic food on the table but not really food that you can look forward to so i thought but yeah i can't do this i need to so every single day worked after school every holiday every weekend for basically the whole five years of my high school since i started and that really yeah as i said that kind of forced me to be an adult much quicker because i had to pay my own school fees i had to obviously buy food for the house i had to buy all my own things from the money that i'm earning which wasn't much at the time so i actually i think that also molded me in the person that i'm today when i finished school at the age of 18 i really knew how things work in adulthood what bills need to be paid what food costs what whatever like uh, 18 year wouldn't actually be knowing that much about what's happening but i knew quite a lot of the five years in my teenage mm-hmm. life that i had to do that so things were tough there was times where i just felt like well this is i'm not sure what i've done or what my parents have done in their past life that we have such a tough life but i managed to um, pull through and i think that's definitely um, contributed to the actual person that I'm today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it makes sense because when I met you, I was very surprised to learn your age because how old are you? I'm now only 29. 29. Yeah. Yeah. So when I met you, was you were, you must have been 23, 24. Mm-hmm. And I felt like you were just an old soul. Mm. And I'm quite a bit older than you, but I don't feel... Like there's this big age mm. difference between mm. us because, you know, it's really kind of all about life experience and not necessarily the time mm. that passes. <laughs> That's all the time we have for today, but please join me for the second half of my conversation with the local Graytonian, Marshall Rehnquist. Next week, he'll talk about happiness, passion, and that one time he stole a car with his girlfriend. Don't forget to follow at Podcast Cowgirl on Facebook and Instagram for photos and updates associated with our two podcasts, My Way and Lecker Y'all. You can send us messages and let us know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us on iTunes or Podbean. Thanks again.